0: Good morning Anchorage, Alaska on this snowy day, the lower 48, and the rest of the world. This is Bruce Linquist with his podcast, Wonderful Counselor. The title of this mini-series is The Preacher's Kid That Fought Like the Devil. And if you've been following it, you know we're up to episode five. But if you haven't been, you need to listen to the previous episodes. And it starts with number one, the prayer, two, it happened one night, three, the sacrifice, and last week's, Am I my brother's keeper? Now, time has arrived for episode five, and it's titled Out of the Ashes. Now, if you're willing, close your eyes. Unless you're driving, then please don't close your eyes. It's the year 1953, and it's time to use that God-given imagination of yours. You see a flash of metal. A sleek Ford cherry red Firebird comes into view. And immediately, what comes into your mind is your first car. Remember how cool you thought you were, driving it down the Miracle Mile? For a Don, though, if that car could talk, it would make a sailor blush. Yet those days were in the rearview mirror. Next to him now wasn't a prospect for the evening. It was someone so valuable to him, he would gladly give his life for her. She was his wife, Yvette. She was more beautiful to him than all the women he knew in his car back in the day, and every other woman in the world combined. In the back seat of the car wasn't occupied by hormone-passion so-called friends who were on the prowl prowl with him in high school. No, who was seated there with three little boys, who he and Yvette would eventually adopt. He just met them and already loved them. He had concerns, though, about what kind of dad he would make, after his dad fell in the bottle and never did climb out after his sister's death. He was as clueless about parenting as a mechanic would be in a quilting show. He couldn't believe it was less than 24 hours, they had no children, and now sons 9, 7, 5, and a dog. The card didn't look like Grease Lightning, it looked more like the future TV show Beverly Hillbillies. Rig the middle boy spoke, how we get all this stuff in the car? They all laughed. The water they just swam in from the lake had evaporated on their clothes. It was muggy. They couldn't roll down the window in fear something might fall out, but they didn't care if they were family. Jost, the youngest of the three said, dad, turn here. Yvette looked at her son. That's not the way home. Jost looked at his mom and then she looked at Adon. Let's turn here. Don normally would have questioned the request, but with the events of the last few days, the wonders and the miracles, it seemed the supernatural was just swirling around them, so he turned. They drove a few miles, and Jose calmly said, Turn here, so they followed his directions. More time passed, and then the final turn up a country road to a large house with a vast driveway and a large, old, shed-like garage that wasn't attached to the home. Yvette smiled and looked at Adan. How did he know? That question hung in the air. And just got out, ran up to the front door, and knocked. An elderly man with a tender heart greeted him. And he said, So that's what you look like. And they hugged. Come in, he said to all of them. I have been expecting you. Yvette walked up to her daddy, the old preacher, and hugged him. I see you were expecting us. Adam said, Well... There must have been more to that vision than you let on, and his father-in-law smiled. They walked into the house. The kitchen table was set with seven chairs and two dog bowls full of food and water. Shadow the black lab politely sat next to his bowl. He apparently was to have company, and there she was, a beautiful golden lab, and Shadow was smitten. He pushed his dish over to her and waited for her to eat. She then pushed her dish over to him, and they ate together. Well said, the boys. Grandpa looks like Shadow has a companion. And boy did he ever. There's an old saying that when you're in love, you get puppy-dog eyes, and that describes Shadow and Sadie perfectly. Grandpa motioned to the seats. Adam pulled out the chair for a vet and scooted her in snug. The old preacher asked the boys, What are your names? I'm Calvin Bobby Oakley the second, but I'm known as Big Bo, and with that he had a seat. The middle brother then spoke, "I'm Calvin Wrigley Oakley the third, but I'm known as Rig," and he sat down. Then the youngest spoke, "I'm Calvin Josiah Oakley the fourth, but I'm known as Jos." Grandpa said, "Jos, he is expecting us." Yes, smiled Grandpa. Holy Spirit had given him his first vision. Big Bo looked around the table. He now had a mom and a dad and a grandpa and even Shadow had a playmate. This was about as good a day as he dared to imagine. The meal was amazing. Grandpa could cook. That wife of mine, said Grandpa, God bless her soul, she knew I'd go hungry if she didn't teach me how to navigate in the kitchen. Then a little tear formed in his eye, thinking about her. Yvette touched her dad's hand. I miss her too, Papa, she said. After the meal, they went out on the porch. The kids played in the yard, swung in the old tire swing, connected with a long rope to a sentinel oak tree. Yvette noticed her daddy getting sun tea, and she helped him in the kitchen. I have something for you, said her dad, and handed her an envelope. Don't open it. You will know when it's time. Yvette looked at her dad like a kid looks at Santa Claus. I will know when his Christmas will be, she smiled. Ah, Christmas. Well, in a way, it's God's gift from me to you, said her dad. I love you, Daddy, Yvette said, and with a hug, he could hold on to that forever. He then went out and spent some time with his son-in-law. He got a look inside that car. He picked up a rolled screen door wire mesh and started laughing. Y'all taking up hoarding? And chuckled some more. No, but it might look like it, said Adon. You know, your little place isn't able to hold all this stuff. How about I store it in your old shed? I have room. You sure about this, asked Adon. Yep, said the old preacher. I insist. Otherwise, it's going to be mighty cramped for y'all. Adon and his father-in-law unloaded the car. He thanked him for the way he welcomed his new family. Can I ask you something, said Adon, and the old preacher nodded. How am I going to be a parent? I'm just learning how to be a husband and a preacher. You have experiences, said the old man. Your experiences teach you stuff, and in those experiences you stay in your Bible, because the Holy Ghost will lead you through them. Plus son, if God thought for a moment you weren't up to being a dad with his spirit you would still be chasing your desires at many women's skirts. Adon looked at the wise man beyond his years. Thank God I'm not that person anymore. And the preacher said, We all have a story, son, It's part that was part of yours, but you ain't that way anymore. No, now I'm chasing after people's souls, and my heart is for their eternity, said Adon. God knew what he was doing, said the old preacher, as he hugged his son-in-law. Adon went up to vet. It's time to get these kids home. She kissed her daddy. The grandkids hugged their grandpa, and shadow-nuzzled Sadie. They were all loaded in the car when Adon turned the key, and it wouldn't start. The car just died. I've had this car since I was a teenager. This is the first time, Adon muttered. His father-in-law looked under the hood, tried jumping the car, checked the cables, and it just died. It's going to be past curfew. You can't take any chances. Let's push it over the shed, and I'll drive you all home tonight. First thing in the morning, I'll pick you all up, and we'll get another crack at it, said. Adon knew the old preacher was right. Curfew was serious business. Black folk were not safe, and were allowed after certain hours. Some who dared weren't heard from again. He remembered back when he threw caution to the wind in high school to get some. He thought he was invincible, but now he had a family. He wouldn't risk them for anything. He, He also thought about how when he was living in sin, God still protected him. That's a miracle I survived, and that gave him even more motivation to accept his father-in-law's invitation. They all loaded up, and he dropped them off at the city, not far from the church, in a small wooden home. To the left was another one, just like it, and to the right, five brick homes, those who had more income. Love you, Daddy, said Yvette, and gave her a kiss and drove off for the homestead. It had been a long day. Dusk was just an hour away, and it was time to call it a night. Yvette showed the boys their room. I'm sorry I have such a small place, only one bedroom. Big Bo looked at his mom. We're all used to this. It was that way in the old house, and Shadow slept with us. Yvette Nadon said prayers with the boys, tucked them in, with Shadow laying on the bedspread. She patted Shadow on the head. Welcome to the family. I imagine if you could talk, you would have stories, and Shadow barked quietly. Yvette Nadon prepared for the evening, "'Can you believe we're a family now?' said Adon. "'That god said, a sure has a sense of humor, "'gives us more than we ever asked for. "'Both cuddled to sleep, and in the stillness, "'it settled on their home.'" The boys dreamed that night. They all had the same one, not one of homecoming, and their being with a new family. But death was coming, like an uninvited guest, a storm like they'd never experienced before. They were running for their lives from something, that felt so terrible, a nightmare could not contain it, so they all woke up at the same time, including Shadow. The ominous present was not there yet, but it was just a few houses down, leaving death in its wake, sucking the air out of sleeping people, leaving them as corpses to be consumed like a crematorium. The boys knew the drill, this was not an exercise, this wasn't even Exodus. This was more like King Herod sent the soldiers to kill the babies under age 2 out of the fear of the Messiah. Death was marching with swords drawn to remove their lives, and so all of them practically knocked down their parents' door. If they even knocked at the old house bedroom door, their parents would have beaten them for that, but desperate times needed desperate measures, and they were not afraid of being beaten by their new parents. The kids said in a loud voice, We have to leave now. Adon and Yvette were half asleep, but fortunately clothed in nightwear. What, said Adon? Just starting to wake up. We have to go now. Don't have time to wait, said Big Bo. Yvette, still barely awake, said, Kids, you're having a nightmare. Go back to sleep. All of us, said Big Bo, at the same time? If you don't go, we're leaving without you. My first responsibility is to my brothers and to Shadow, and the kids headed down the stairs. Adon and Yvette ran after them, just in time, as the wall from the outside, where the bedroom was started to glow. And then the roof collapsed on their bed, sending flames up into the air, as if consumed by a dragon. "'Run,' said Big Bo. Now they could smell the smoke. It was engulfing the house. Their eyes burned. "'Hit the floor,' said Big Bo, and they crawled towards the front door. Josh yelled through the coughing, "'Not that door!' And they crawled to the other side of the house." The front door blew into flames, and the living room was engulfed, and the ceiling collapsed from above, as this monster from hell chased after the kids and their parents. They reached the door to the small garage with the adjoining door outside. They all got outside and ran from the house out into the parking lot. They couldn't believe their eyes. The brick houses looked like fireplaces, only it wasn't wood and paper that was burned up. It was human bodies. The fire was consuming all six homes. "'Where's Joe? said Yvette. Jose, she screamed. He was right with us. Jos Jos Big Bo couldn't believe his eyes. He had lost sight of his brother. Jos Jos He then appeared with a family from the seventh house, a man and his wife and two young daughters. He had led them to safety. They were the only survivors that night. The fire trucks arrived, but there was little they could do. The fire spread so fast... It consumed just about everything in its path. A started crying, tears mixed with shock, gratitude, and loss. She hugged her family, and that night seemed to never end. They all just stayed there in the middle of the parking lot. It was plenty warm, and they held each other and prayed. The couple who just had rescued mocked them. If there was a god, why did he let this happen? You're a preacher. Tell us. Adon didn't know what to say, but just did. He was so full of the Holy Spirit, at least is as full as his little frame could hold. Jesus saved your life and your children's, and you're here acting like the thief on the cross, mocking the one who died to save you. The night went still again. Jealous wasn't done. Do you know you've been spared? My daddy got to understand your anger, but you've been given a gift, and it's up to you if you'll receive it. Adam wouldn't have been an evangelist at this moment. But his son just led the neighbors and their kids to Christ. When morning barely broke, Yvette and Adon walked into what was their house. All that was left was ashes. All the things she prized as a little girl were gone. Pictures and paintings and journals. Gifts, things her mom had given her to pass on to the next generation. Jewelry and old dishes. Family Bibles. All gone. All of Don and Yvette's love letters to each other, their little romantic notes, memories all gone up in smoke. Jost looked at his parents. We had to leave our home too, but home isn't a place, it's family, and we're family. Rig asked his mom, what are we going to do, Mama? Yvette felt in her clothes pocket an envelope. She pulled it out. She then saw her dad pulling into the parking lot. And she knew in her heart, it must be Christmas. Join me in episode 6 for the next podcast. It's going to be titled, The Fight.